welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. Turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 8. The book of Luke chapter 8, verse 27. The book of Luke chapter 8, verse 27. And i like to concur with Caleb also. Um, it's good to have all of our guests. It's good to have everyone that's visiting. And um, if it's your first time, if it's your hundredth time, it doesn't matter. I'm thankful you showed up because if you didn't show up, I have nobody to preach to. That'd be embarrassing, right? But more than, I hate to say this, but I, but I don't hate to say it. More than you showing up, I'm so glad Jesus shows up every single time. We couldn't have church if it wasn't for him, right? So, so thank you, Lord, for showing up. Verse 27, when Jesus had stepped out on the land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time, he had worn no clothes. He had not lived in a house, but among the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him and said with a loud voice, what have you to do with me? There was one speaker, there was one that represented the legions. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself, but Jesus, he said, what have, I, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Hell knew who he was. Jesus did not give an introduction of himself. The spirit world knew who he was. So what are you doing here? I beg you, do not torment me, for we had, for he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles. But he would break the bonds and be driven by the demons into the desert. And Jesus then asked, what is your name? And he said, Legion. For many demons have entered him. And they begged him not to... And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave, so he gave them permission. And the demons came out of the man, entered into the pigs, and the herd rushed down to the steep bank into the lake, and they drowned. The story there is not even... Not even the pigs can live with demons. Not even pigs want to live with demons, but some people hold on to them very tight. That's another whole sermon. But I'm just saying, if a pig doesn't want to live with the demon, we need to rethink who we're entertaining, what we're entertaining in our life. And, and, so, and so the spirit world, they knew exactly who he was. See, only an undisputed, undisputed, that means non-arguable no debating over no uh how could you say this no one could doubt that jesus was capable and all he had to do was step on that shore and just one step on that shore got everyone's attention this is the story that verified and validated that jesus christ powerful, able, capable. And they begged him 
The devil begged him. Don't mess with us. Leave us alone. That's, I'm talking about your Savior. I'm talking about the one who lives inside of you. Today, we're going to talk about, in our message, who Jesus is. To start off this sermon series. And I want you to take note today. Notice in our app, when you look at our app, you download it, you can print off my sermon notes. I, I put my sermon notes on there every single Sunday for you to follow. We have the podcast of this message for every service. We have also the YouTube channel. You can watch this, and we go live every service. So you're going to have opportunities to learn this. This is going to be a lesson. This is going to be an education. This is going to be a moment for you to to get something and grab a hold of it so you can face every one of your challenges and always come out on top. And before you open up your mouth, someone's going to know or anyone's going to know that Jesus Christ abides inside of you and your battles will become easier, just like his. Because he did say, greater the work shall you do, right? Because I go to the Father. So let's pray this prayer right now. Bless this service one more time. You bless it like you're praying for your meal. Because we're about to get some good stuff here. Meat and some bread and some wine in the spirit. I'm telling you right now, Jesus, thank you for this today. God, thank you. Bless this food. Bless this offering. Bless this sermon. Touch my mouth. Touch our hearts. God, we bless you today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say amen. Give him one more hand clap of praise and tell him, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Turn around to somebody before you're seated and tell them, my God is undisputed. My God is undisputed. And you can be seated. And you can be seated. I am going to tell you ahead of time, this is going to be completely different from other sermons and lessons I've ever taught on. But I'm going to tell you ahead of time what I'm going to do and what I want to do for you. Now, in our Sunday school departments and our children's department, they give rewards to all the kids, and, and they tell them, if you, if you get the sermon, if you get the, the text message, if you get the scripture, then you get a lollipop. How many, of your kids have, how many of your kids have come home with lollipops in, from the Sunday school department? Yeah, raising it. Or if you give an offering, they give you a lollipop. Well, I'm going to give five people $100 to the first five people who can recite to me all 50 descriptions of Jesus Christ I'm going to teach today. I'm not going to hit on all of them, but I am going to put them up here. They're going to be on my sermon notes. And you have to recite it in front of the congregation. And if five people can do it, I'll give you each $100 just to bless you. Just a little something for your family. Nothing big coming out of my pocket. But I want to bless you. I want to give you an incentive. Nothing wrong with that, right? Uh, forgive me, I have no lollipops. Don't have any lollipops, but, <laughs> but I got some Benjamins. This is one of the best scenarios in the Bible describing the omnipresence and omnipotence and the omniscience of God. Stepping into this terra firma when God came in through the Spirit and overshadowed Mary and she was conceived of the Holy Spirit and then... And then, when she had conceived, 
it was it was recognized and it was noticed mary didn't have to make a declaration mary didn't have to tell everybody that was that was in her life that she was pregnant even even elizabeth when elizabeth when she recognized mary and mary walked into the room similar to what jesus did who walked on the seashore when mary walked into the room something in this something in the inside of mary who was john jesus's cousin the spirit of christ the spirit of god that was in john because he was conceived also by god a promise and he was sensitive to the spirit world ordained from a child to be a prophet to be ordained and separated to god to be the forerunner for christ when jesus steps into the room through the womb through his mother john begins to leap for joy the child inside of elizabeth begins to respond and then a strong, profound, prophetic word comes out of, of, of Elizabeth. And, and she begins to declare, blessed is the fruit of your womb. You're blessed and highly favored. And begins to prophesy everything concerning the baby whom we call the Christ, the son of the living God. And Elizabeth knows it's from God. And she declares he's from God. And she just confirms everything. Jesus had that kind of influence even before he came out of the womb. He was that anointed. He was that commissioned. He has that kind of influence. And everywhere as Jesus walked, demons knew who he was. Prior to that kind of influence as well, before he even started his ministry, the scripture says that Jesus was led by the Spirit after his baptism, where the heavens opened up in front of them, where the, the, the voice of the, the, our thunderous and terrible God vocalized to, to validate Jesus and said, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And they heard this. Jesus was not just any man i have heard people say this time and time again who really weren't christians but they heard about our beliefs they knew about our savior and they tried to compare it with their prophets but can i tell you there is no comparison because i don't know of any other person or prophet or god who was dead who came went did, went into the grave who gave his life and rose back up again after three days and then rose up and ascended up on high and then poured his spirit out on humanity and is now and still living today through you. And every time you lift up your hands and every time you pray and every time you give and every whatever you're doing, there's a witness in the spirit and that's a testimony just simply saying Jesus Christ did live he was born and he did die and rise again and he lives inside of you today he's real he's real he's real i know he's real none of you even know that song do you you come too late to tell me i've already experienced it right jesus christ is real and he's powerful and there's nothing and no one that can destroy, defeat, push back. The scripture validates everything who Jesus was. Before he could say a word, everything 
was submitted to him. The elements of the world was submitted to him. Before that one moment, he walked on the water. He walked on the water. Now, I don't care what you see Hollywood trying to perfect and duplicate or replicate of people walking on water. I saw one guy who claimed to walk on water. He walked across a swimming pool, and then they went back and showed the footage and found out he was walking on some glass steps. And people were swimming between them, acting like he was on water. And, and, and people tried so hard to try to duplicate. And this, exactly, this is exactly what the devil does. He tries to duplicate everything that Jesus is. He tries to duplicate it. And he can't duplicate it. I mean, he can come in the form of a light and try to sound good and be good. But there is a difference between the anointing that was in the, in the life of Jesus Christ. When the, and I found this for sure. When the anointing comes, it does things like deliver people. It does things like set people free from addictions. It does things like casting demons out of people who had lived with things all of their life. And then in one moment, the pureness and the holiness and the strength and the power of God comes in and changes life. I, I don't know about you, but my God, my, my Holy Ghost experience, my, my encounter with the Holy Spirit, it always had evidence it was there. And every time the Spirit of God touches me, my thinking changes and I become a better dad. I become a better father. I become a better husband. I become a better pastor. And you want that. I become somebody that God wants me to be, not what I want to be. But that's just dealing with me from a human perspective. But I will say this as well. Any and every time I've had to fight a battle or feel like I had to be pressed into a situation, I've learned it's not me that's going to fight the battle. I'm going to let him fight the battle for me, and there's nothing too big for my God to handle. I've got the verse down. I sing it. I praise it. I pray it. Greater is he that's in me than him that's in the world. I believe that. He gave his blood for me, but he wasn't just anybody. He was the son of the most high God. That's how hell rep recognizes him. Not just somebody, but the son of the most high God. The, very, the only point we're going to talk about today is this. Point number one, and the only one, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? You might know him by the... By the by the, what the preacher says. You might know him in the moment when you gave your life and said, God, I'm sorry, forgive me. And you felt the reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation and the power of the blood of Jesus clean your slate, give you a fresh start. So you may know him as the, the Jesus of the cross. You might know him as the Jesus of the burial, which in your baptism... When you were baptized and you went under the water, that was a seal of approval. And you now took on the name of Christ. And you were born again of water. And your Lord and Savior has done so much for you in that moment thus far. But how you experience God is how you know God. So Paul begins to write and Paul says this, I want to know him 
and the fellowship of his suffering and the power of his resurrection. I want to know him. He also wrote and he said, it's through him we live, we move, and we have our being. Paul had an intimate relationship with Jesus. He didn't know who Jesus was except that one experience that he had on the road to Damascus. And in that one experience on that road to Damascus, that bright light shined right in front of him. It stunts them. It stopped everyone. They became blind. No one heard the voice but Paul. All they heard was Paul's conversation with an unknown being whom they didn't know was the living God. And Paul gives him description and begins to line up his life and tell him, Paul, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. Using an analogy that, 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 that a farmer would use to an ox that would fight him in trying to plow the fields. That's why Saul of Tarsus, his name was called Paul afterwards, his conversion, because he would now be known as a worker of God, which Paul means worker of God. And so he would now transform his life, translate it over into his whole purpose, but an encounter with God changed everything, and Jesus became powerful in his life. He used Paul, he used him, to start so many churches. Most of the New Testament was written through Paul, through his writings. He helped churches. He helped people get delivered. He showed them who Jesus was. But you can't show anybody who Jesus is if you haven't experienced him. experiences everything. So you can say you know Jesus all day long, but how do you know him? How many of you have ever been healed by the Lord, healed in your body? Then you know him as a healer. You know him as a healer. Uh, there's, a, there's a song that goes something like this. He holds the wind in his hand. He is the great I am. He is the bright in the morning star, and without him I would fall. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He is Jehovah Shalom, my peace. He is Jehovah Tiskanu, my righteousness. He is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Jehovah Shalom, my righteousness, my peace. And Jehovah Tiskanu, my righteousness. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Jesus, number one, he's the almighty one. He's the almighty one. In Revelation chapter 8, who is, who was, and is to come, the almighty, praise God, the almighty. He's alpha and omega. I am alpha and omega, he said in Revelation 22 the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Did you know that in your life, before you even get started, that he's already been there before and he's been there afterwards and he sees all things in between because in your chronological time of error, in the chronos of time, he is in the kairos of time and eternity. So your time frame, it doesn't matter what time your watch says, God's already there. He's already there. He's already, I, I can stay on there for a while, but I'm just telling you that, you know, he knows what you're going to eat. He knows you're going to get the dessert after you get done with this. <laughs> and he, know that you he knows that you committed already to stay on that diet. Right? It, it, what I'm trying to say is, is that you don't surprise, we don't surprise God when we fail. It, your failures don't surprise God. 
And here we are when we mess up and when we fail and whatever it may be in your life. Listen, that's a good thing to at least have a conscience to know that you've got to please God. The blood of Jesus covers everything. I, don't, I understand that. But it is not a license to do just whatever. That is the empowerment. Grace, the grace of God is not a license to sin because the scripture says it. Paul writes, God forbid that I should sin just because grace abounds. But the grace of God is the power of God to keep you from sin. And the Spirit of God enables you to walk a line that you wouldn't normally been able to walk. But you see, grace gives you a different heart, a change of heart. The power of God gives you the ability to walk a fine line if necessary or to stay up walking. But when you fall, it's the Scripture, it's true. When a righteous man falls seven times, the Lord picks him up every single time. And he's not shocked at our failures or and our mistakes. He's not surprised by it. He knew you would fall, but he also knew that you would get back up. He also knew. And so Jesus is the advocate. He's the advocate. My dear children, 1 John 2 and 1, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. We have an advocate with the Father. He is the author and perfecter of our faith, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who is the joy, for for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despised the shame, despising the, cha- the shame, and, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Somebody give him some praise. That's who he is. That's who he is. He's more than just a man. Turn to somebody and look at them and tell them he's more than just a man. He was more than just a man. He got hungry on his... uh, I've, I've heard this before. You've heard me say it. He got hungry on his mother's side, but he fasted for 40 days on his father's side. He had dual natures. He walked on this he walked on the sea on his father's side but walked on land on his mother's side. Jesus Christ was hungry on his mother's side but fed the 5000 on his father's side. Jesus Christ died from his mother's side but lived forever on his father's side. Dual in nature. Dual in nature, it's separate but the two become one. You like that? Learn that from Penn and Teller. He was the bread of life. The bread of life. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whosoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He's speaking from a spiritual point of view. That, in other words, he is the only one who can satisfy your soul. I don't care how many season passes you have to any game. I don't care how many movies you watch. I don't care how many love stories, ladies, that you sit down and cry to. It doesn't matter what books you read outside the Bible. And by the way, again, let me say this and tell you again. The Bible is the only book when you read it, the author is present every single time. It is the greatest book ever written. But no matter 
how many podcasts you listen to, no matter how many inspirational videos you find, it doesn't matter. No one can satisfy you like Jesus Christ. Nobody. Nothing. And, and, and let me add this too. Put your seatbelts on. Are you ready? Are you ready? He's better than alcohol. He's the highest high I've ever had. And you don't get a hangover. You wake up with favor. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Somebody's got to tell you. My friend. The beloved son of God. The bridegroom. The chief cornerstone. The chief cornerstone. Do you know what that means? Listen to this. The chief cornerstone, the stone which the builders rejected had become the chief cornerstone. Paul wrote and said, you're no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God. The foundation being built upon the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into a holy habitation in the Lord in the spirit. What does that mean, Pastor Bobby? What that means is this. Back in those days when they built a foundation, the cornerstone was the actual strongest stone within the whole foundation because all the other stones that were on that foundation had to be compressed and all the pressure went to that one stone. And if all that pressure was going and pressed in this way, if the stone couldn't handle that, if the stone couldn't handle the pressure, then the foundation would be ruined and have no stability. Jesus Christ went under the greatest pressure in this world and faced sin and was accused of and treated like he was a sinner. He was crucified. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, but yet with his stripes we are healed. After going through all of that, Jesus took all the pressure, but he came out victorious. He rose again. He is now the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The overcomer. He was the overcomer. So what that means is he was stable. Trouble didn't get him off track. He wasn't tempted and he didn't fall into it. He, he wasn't scared of any devil. He, was, he wasn't liked by everybody. Beware of the man whom everyone loves. Watch out when somebody comes up and starts pouring sweet words on you because I was always taught they're fixing to eat you. I get uncomfortable when somebody starts patting me too much and, oh, Pastor Bobby, you're great. You're wonderful. Such a wonderful speaker. No, I'm not. There are other pastors better than me. I know that. There are other great churches in this town. I know that. I'm not happy for them. But I know who I am, and I know that I need him every single day. I know that you need him every single day. And if you see any kind of good thing in me, it's because of him, right? I mean, you didn't know me before God saved me. Some of you may have. Some of you. I went to school with some of you. Some of you may have known me. But I'm going to tell you right now, without the Holy Ghost, I'd be terrible. God is so good to us, isn't he?
And, and, and listen to this. It's not based on my character or your character that I'm still here. It's because inside of me there is a cornerstone. <sighs> that, could have, that could only take the pressure. You want to know why some people make it through some trials and other people don't? It's because some of them have the cornerstone in their life. And they have a great foundation in their life because they were able to be stable. That's why the scripture says sometimes if all you can do is stand, then stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, taking on the breastplate of righteousness, taking on the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and standing there with your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You're fully armed. But the cornerstone is in your life. It brings stability. When you go through trouble, think on Jesus and don't be moved. When you go through trials, think about Jesus and don't be moved. Thank you for the golf claps. And when you go through situations, take a hold of the fact that there's someone inside of you who can take the pressure. Turn to somebody and tell them, you got me under pressure. Listen to this. He's faithful and true. He's the good shepherd. He is the good shepherd. He's the only one that can lead you to green pastures, steal waters, and protect you. The shepherd always stands. A good shepherd, if you study shepherds and look at how that... Oh my gosh, how many times have I touched that thing? I'm going to get to it in just a moment. A good shepherd finds a great field on a tabletop. A tabletop is it's where the shepherds took their sheep on a plain that was elevated on the side of a hill or a mountain. Most likely a hill on a plain that was safe for them to graze, and they would inspect it beforehand to make sure they removed everything that would harm the sheep, thorns and thistles and things that would get stuck in their coat. And they would make sure that they had a place to stand so they could see if any of those, if the adversary would ever come in, if wolves would ever try to take them. And whatever it may be, they made sure that their safety was priority. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus Christ died for your sins and Jesus Christ enabled you to have heaven come into your life and the angels of God to oversee you. Because the Bible says this, angels encamp round about them that fear him. In other words, that give reverence to him, that put him, number one, that put the, him in their place first, in the, in the right place, and he watches over you. He is the good shepherd. He protects you. Did you know that the shepherd's staff had two ends of it for a reason? On one end, it was sharp. It was there to defend and protect, and the other end, it was curved. It was meant to pull you back in with love. And whenever you go sidetrack, and whenever you have danger, the good shepherd who gave his life for you is going to still protect you and feed you and pull you back in. Someone say, God is good. God is so good. God is so good. Go to the next slide. I'm going through these, but download, the, download my sermon and you'll find these and, and memorize them. Memorize these these things, and I promise you, they're going to bless you because it's going to help you. The reason why Jesus, let me insert this to help you. The reason why Jesus could not be defeated is because he knew who he was. He knew. 
You know one of those 40 days and nights that Jesus was taken into the wilderness and he'd fasted, he'd been tempted of the devil? What was the one thing that he kept on asking him or saying to him and taunting him with? He said, if you are the what? If you are the son of God, then turn these stones to bread. If you're the son of God, then jump off this mountain. If you're the son of God, and that was the test in the wilderness. The test was for his identity. And the spirit of God led him into that test because he had to get some things established in his life. Did you know that without testing in your life, that you would never have a good foundation or a good root system to your identity and who you really are? Most of us think that we grow better in good circumstances when everything is perfect and everything is good. That's not true. Your best growth and your best establishments in your life are there during times of trouble. So when you have trouble, I'm going to tell you, rejoice. Embrace it. Don't use it as an excuse or a crutch and give up on God. Use it as an education and say, I'm going to grow from this. I'm going to become wiser from this. I'm going to become stronger from this. And at the end of this, there's going to be an anointing in my life that's going to make me able to handle every and any devil. Now, that's why the devil couldn't mess with Jesus, because Jesus knew who he was. But the question we have to ask is, do you know who you are? And do you know who Jesus is in your life? Did you know that upon your receiving your experience with God, that you know that your spirit and his spirit became one? It was a marriage. Your spirit man was reborn and established. Where are we at? He is the head of the church. He is the great high priest. Listen, a holy servant, the great I am. I, meaning self-existing. Am, existing. I, self. He was a self-existing one. No one formed him. No one made him. No one gave him birth. He always was, always will be, and always shall be. The I am. That's why he gave Moses that revelation. See, Moses knew him as the I am. When Moses went up to him and actually had conversation from that burning bush, the one question he had was, is God, Lord, who do I tell him sent me? He, tell him, he told him, he gave him a revelation. He said, tell him that the I am sent you. Right? In other words, with the I am, there would be so many variables. He could be a deliverer. He could be a savior. He could be a provider, and he was. Water from a rock brought them out of Egypt, right? A deliverer delivered them when they made a mistake and they were being bit by snakes, right? A shade, a protector, fire by night for guidance and darkness, a cloud by day to protect them. Their chanclas didn't wear out, a provider, right? I am. Moses, I'm going to prove myself and reveal myself to you as all things. I am. We moved on, didn't we? Emmanuel. 
She shall give birth to a son and call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And Jesus said this, not only is God with you, but when you receive him and you are baptized and you have gone deeper in Christ, he, the Bible says, yes to the disciples, I am with you, but behold, I shall be in you. A deeper experience, an incredible gift. He's the king of kings, the lamb of God and the lion of God, the light of the world, the light of the world. And listen to this, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Weep no more, Revelation 5 and 5. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has con conquered so that he may open the scroll with the seven seals. Your God. Watch this. Let me explain this to you this way. Let me, let me try to help some of you here and say, let's look. Here's where most of us are. Here's where we stand. We live in this place. Okay? That's where we live. This is you. Now, when, when in your circle, when, when God comes into your life, and we know how this works, right? We understand how everything begins to evolve and everything begins to change. And when you begin to operate at a different level, and the Spirit of God begins to work in your life, you have one or two choices. You can begin to just open up your life, or you can refuse. If you open up your life, then to God... Through Jesus Christ, because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's another description of who Jesus is. In this area of you, this is where you're, this is where you have your, it's going to do just real quickly, your, 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 your spirit, your soul, and your body, your tripart, right? And when your spirit man begins to experience God, you allow God's spirit to be poured into your life because here's God coming in and it pours into your life through your spirit and then it goes and affects your thinking. Then you go and express it through action, through your body. And this is a cycle. Okay? Now, this begins to flood your life. But you have to have an open mind to God and allow God to come in and you can't have reservations. You'll begin to experience God for who he really is as you live life. So being full of God doesn't mean necessarily just thinking about God, but it's also acting on God, living with God. But if you want God to fill all of your life, then you have to express it. So this is where God is released. What does the Bible say about Faith, faith without what is dead? Actions, right? Okay. And words. Most of us live in this place of being satisfied with God just filling our lives. 
but we don't know how to release the great I am, the advocate. We don't know how to release the line of the tribe of Judah. We don't even know how to release mercy through the Lamb of God and watch mercy go over and spill over to our families. So we have Jesus in our life. Jesus, who is the rock, the risen Lord, the prophet. Jesus, who is more. Look at number 36, guys. He's the Savior, the Savior of our life, the supreme creator of all things. All of who Jesus is, is inside of you. But how do you have him become a savior? Begin right here upon receiving. Am I right? So that's a personal experience. But how does it become a rock? And how do you get the rock that's in you to prove and give stability to anyone else around you? There are certain people that I love to be around because every time I leave their presence, I become better. Every time I leave their presence, I become stronger. Every time I'm around certain people that are like-minded in faith, that love him, that believe, that love me, I always leave a better person. Well, sometimes you can't find those people. Sometimes you just have to go straight to Jesus. But if you want to be that person, if you want to be that individual, then this is what you have to do. You have to begin to release it in one of these areas here. One of these areas right here. The only way faith is going to be known is by actions, and this is so important. Because through your actions, the Spirit of God is released. If you have no action, then there is no release. And through what you believe, it has to be spoken. It has to be spoken. This is why when God spoke to Moses, right? God said to Moses, Moses, I don't want to give away your sermon, but I'm going to say a little bit. Throw down the rod. Through the action, he didn't tell Moses to say anything, but he said do something, and he did it, right? And it turned into a serpent, okay? What did he tell the disciples? What was in Jesus was the provider. He was the provider, the Jehovah Jireh. So when Jesus walked on the boat with all the disciples, they'd been fishing all night, right? They'd been fishing all night. And so they didn't catch a thing, but when Jesus stepped on the boat after speaking, he told them, hey, take action. He told them what to do, cast the net out again. But Lord, we, we, we fished all night. We didn't catch a thing. Well, take action again. But in order to do that, Jesus spoke a word. Okay, he released the word, but they took action. In direct proportion to what was in Jesus, the only way they could tap into what was in him is to obey what he said, to release it. The Bible says it like this, obey the prophets and prosper. He was the prophet of prophets. And as soon as they cast their net by taking action, it was released and they caught more fish than they could handle even bring into the boat. When you obey God's word, 
and act on it, God will begin to pour out his spirit from your life. That's how this happens. But if you doubt, I mean, come on, guys. We start to doubt what God is doing. We start to wonder, is God really doing things in our life? And everybody else, because you had a bad day, because, okay, you know what, this doesn't work. I, I, you let your emotions get the best of you. So right here in the soul, you just cut it off in this area. You have no God in this area right here. You're like, you know what, this doesn't work. I don't know about this. You stop the flow. Take no action. There's no flow there. But you came to church and you feel better about it, right? You feel like, okay, this is working. I'm going to leave it big. This is working. I, I believe what he's saying. I believe again. I'm going to act on it. I'm going to do it right. I'm going to watch this thing happen. All of a sudden, it happens again. And you have to constantly come. That's why coming to the house of God is so good. That's why coming together with like-minded people is so good. Because when we all come together and believe the same thing, there is a synergy that occurs, and there's an anointing that happens, and there's something that gets to you. And that's why some of you, uh, some of you may come in down, but somebody else may be up. But when somebody lifts up their hands to worship, something comes out of them. And it pours over in their life. This is true. This is Bible. He said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And if you could just see in the spirit world what's taking place, somebody stepping in, they're stepping in. They become artesian wells. They become wells of life. They start to spring up into everlasting life. That's why when I go to church any place, I like to sit next to worshipers. I want to sit next to not dry people. I stay away from dry people because they're going to drain me, and i got to feed them all day long. Sit next to somebody who knows how to praise him, worship him. I know that sounds crazy, but it's the truth. Some people just suck everything out of you. Right? I stay away from people who all they do is talk about other people. All they do is gossip about other people. All they do is tell you your problems. You're like, oh my God, man. I mean, here, here they come. Let's go this way. Right? You know what this means. You've done this before. Hi. Right? You saw them in the store. You avoided them. People avoid me too sometimes, right? Hi, this pastor. Yeah, I got a 24-pack. <laughs> hey, brother, what's going on? Oh, hey, pastor. Oh, it's for my mom. Pray for her. Okay, let me clarify something right now. This pastor does not drink. This pastor does not smoke. This pastor does not cuss. I believe in living the life, and I'm not going to judge somebody who does, okay? But I do believe in a new wine. I do believe in the Holy Ghost. I believe in being drunk in the Spirit. I believe in being filled with righteousness. Not because I'm self-righteous. I'm not perfect. But I'm going to tell you something. I was the son of a nightclub owner. I've been down that road before. My dad died an alcoholic. My father-in-law died of cancer with, with the tongue because of, because of tobacco. My mother-in-law, everybody was affected. My, my mom, throughout the years, I'm telling you something. I've never seen anything good come out of it. But I've always seen something good come out of the presence of God that was rich and restored. 
And that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. So I'm not here to judge anybody. I'm here to teach someone and tell you there's a better way. There's a better way. That's all I'm saying. The resurrection and the life. You need something resurrected in your life? Start to speak it. Start, start to speak it. I know this is simple. I know this is kind of just whatever. But start to speak it. Did you know that when God formed the worlds, and I'm done. Come on, Haley. Did you know when God formed the world? I went longer than I should. Thank you for enduring. When God spoke the world into existence, it had to be his words. God didn't, excuse you, God didn't, I don't know what that was, but excuse you. When God, when God formed the worlds, he just didn't think it into existence, right? You know? I mean, look, you know what thinking is? Thinking is great for maintaining and reviving and kindling and memorizing the scripture. That's why, that's why it helps you. Meditation, what you meditate on is very good to sustain. That's why I'm challenging you, the first person to come up to me. And I'm going to tell you something. By the end of November, if it's November 30 whatever, <laughs> I don't know how many days are in this month, and somebody comes up to me and just does this, I may give them the whole thing, but I'm just telling you, I want you to be encouraged to memorize these titles. Memorize these scriptures. And I don't think it's impossible. Your brain is more, more powerful than you know. Your brain is more powerful than a computer. It can hold more memory than you think based on desire. Based on desire. But God didn't, didn't think the world. He spoke the world. God said, let there be. Then there was. Now, you're in the image of God, folks. And the one who formed the world is inside of you. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. In the beginning, before all things were made, they were made by Him and for Him and through Him. And the Word became flesh in verse 14 in 1 John, in the John and the Gospels. One and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory is the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth and that Jesus now lives inside of you the one who was from the beginning the one who had the logos and the plan from the beginning the one who spoke everything into existence because he was releasing his spirit when God said, let there be, the Spirit of God was released. The angels worked with him, and the Spirit began to form and create. This is why I encourage everybody in the church, learn how to praise him. Learn how to release it. Don't just think about him. When you pray, don't just sit there. I mean, you look, you look very good when you do it, right? I mean, just because you look fancy and religious does not mean that God is going to bless it. Okay, that's all I'm saying. The cross of your neck is there to help you out, but that cross doesn't do a thing. For I'm just telling you, that's cool. I mean, I'm glad you got a cross. That's cool. Looks good on you. But I'm just saying, you can do more by 
by, by feeling faith towards the cross and speaking mercy into life and watching what the work of the cross can, through, can do in your life. You know, if we have any sin, we have an advocate with the Father, right? Jesus Christ the righteous. So that's the work of the cross. And if you need one to remind you, that's great. I'm glad you got one. But what's going to change your life is going to be your words and your actions. Jesus was undisputed because he opened his mouth and he acted on God's word. And therefore he released it. And he was able to release it because he spent time with the Father in prayer. So he had a deposit, therefore he can make a withdrawal. Did Jesus didn't go around writing bad checks. Don't look around, keep looking straight. I've said all that today to say this to you. Just one comment. That the undisputed Savior lives in you. The undisputed Savior lives inside of you. And in spiritual warfare, whatever you're going through and things you're battling in your life, if you'll worship Him, praise Him, and spend time with Him, then in your life, if you'll your days will be spent praising him and speaking to him and acting obeying his word most of the times there are battles you never have to fight God will give you wisdom and direction to make the right decisions you won't find yourself getting caught in bad situations you'll make the right decisions sometimes you'll do things that only God knew you needed to do for that moment to bring the to bring the ROI if you will the return on investment in your life I mean listen it's the greatest investment you'll ever have God knew what he was doing. He invested in you because he believed in you. Now believe in him and start pouring his word out and start believing and praising him. Start thanking him. Listen, I'm telling you, this works. This works. God is able. He's able to do anything and everything you can ask or think according to the power that works inside of you. Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at clcvictoria and download.